Hi, this is Darren Streblo with the Darren Streblo Comedy Show, and you're listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. God doesn't need me to go chew on glass and to be miserable. God has gifted me my gifts for a reason. It's not by accident. Well, hello. Thanks, comedian Darren Streblo, for the introduction. I don't care what you say, Darren. You're a really good guy. Darren hosts the popular and very funny Darren Streblo Comedy Show, and we had a great conversation that you can hear at onfaithsedge.com slash 96. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 96. Welcome to the 97th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to contact me, I am most active on Twitter at at 4JoeTaylor. That's at 4JoeTaylor, F-O-R-J-O-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Today, director Andy Irwin joins us to talk about his truly inspiring new movie, I Can Only Imagine, starring Dennis Quaid, Cloris Leachman, Trace Atkins, and J. Michael Finley, just releasing on March 16th, 2018. I really love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertains you, encourages you, informs you, or brings value to your life in any way whatsoever, will you consider financially backing the show? Many of you have asked how you can support the show, and I have a few things in the works. But for now, the best way is to use any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com. We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Andy Irwin is one half of the Irwin Brothers directing duo. Along with his brother John, they develop and direct dramatic feature films, including October Baby, Mom's Night Out, and Woodlawn. I Can Only Imagine is the brother's fourth feature film and is based on Mercy Me's number one hit song. Featuring an all-star cast, including Dennis Quaid, Oscar winner Cloris Leachman, platinum-selling country music legend Trace Atkins, and Broadway's J. Michael Finley. The film brings to life the true story behind the song of ultimate hope, I Can Only Imagine. A transformed relationship with his troubled father inspired Bart Miller, the lead singer of the Christian band Mercy Me, to write what is now the most played radio single in Christian music history. This story beautifully illustrates that nobody is ever too far from God's love or too far from an eternal home in heaven. In today's conversation, we talk about I Can Only Imagine. We discuss why Bart Millard wanted the Irwin brothers for this film. What attracted stars like Dennis Quaid and Cloris Leachman to the movie? How Andy was personally impacted while making this movie? Why he makes Christian films, and especially those based on real-life people? His philosophy on hiring actors for faith-based films and their faith foundation? And how one piece of wise advice from his dad changed Andy's path. Why would you ever give up the glorious life of ESPN camera operator to working with Patricia Heaton, Sean Astin, uh, Trace Atkins, and Dennis Quaid? You know, I, it's a good question, Joe. Uh, <laughs> we, I, I, I love sports, and I, I, in fact, I still, I still go back and uh, with my old crew and just do a game or so here and there. So this year, my team, Alabama, was in the uh, Sugar Bowl, so I, I, they unpacked me from mothball so I could go see the game. So I was a cameraman for them <laughs> this past year. So oh, cool. I, I, I love, I loved it. In fact, my director uh, is from the Cincinnati area. So uh, right, right around your neck of the woods, but um, you know, we just fell in love with this, this kind of hobby that grew out of control 
uh, on the side, which was filmmaking. We started doing music videos for years and then the documentaries and second unit directing on films like the action sequences and things like that. And then, you know, just kind of stumbled onto some stories that we fell in love with that we said, hey, what if we gave this a shot to see if we have a voice as a filmmaker? That was 10 years ago. And I I went to my director at ESPN and I said, uh, I, I feel like I've got to chase this dream. Otherwise, it's going to be that nagging suspicion of w- what could have been. And and we, we, we jumped off and and uh, off the cliff and we haven't looked back since. We've been making movies ever since. So this is our fourth feature that we're about to release. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it. I can only imagine. Um, was Woodlawn your first project? No, our very first one was a movie called uh, October Baby. Okay. Uh, and then we did a, a comedy with uh, with uh, Sony called uh, Mom's Night Out. And then Woodlawn was our third film. And I can only imagine is our newest. Gotcha. I thought Woodlawn came before Mom's Night Out. Great movies, yeah. man. Great Thanks, movies. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I can only imagine is the most played song in the history of Christian music. It, it's a powerful, powerful song, man. Yeah. How did you... How did you find out that the backstory to the song is even more powerful? You know, the, the, the neat thing about what we do is, uh, you know, it's the, the really powerful stories are usually not the ones you find. They're, they're the ones that find you. And, um, you know, I knew the song. The song is definitely, you, you know, you know, everybody can remember exactly where they were when they first heard the song. And they can remember the time in their life where they desperately needed hope, where that song really was there for them. And so... It's, it has a personal connection to millions of fans, uh, but I, I didn't know the story behind it. And so Bart Millard with the band Mercy Me is the guy that wrote it. And uh, this this kid from Texas that wrote this powerful song. And he came to a screening of our film Mom's Night Out and uh, afterwards approached me and said, you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's a group of people that have been developing my life story for the past five years as a movie. Uh, I think uh, you, you guys would be great to, if you could direct it. And I said, I don't know if you know this, but they sent us uh, the script this morning and it just was kind of meant to be. And as wow. we dug into the story, it's an amazing father son redemption story uh, that has moments in it that are just too magical to believe. But they're, it's real. And, uh, you know, uh, just the, the most powerful redemption story I've I've come across. And uh, Dennis Quaid plays his father in this movie. And it's something that, you know, I kept pinching myself saying, how in the world did this fall into our lap that we get to tell this story. Why were you the group that was contacted for this movie? You know, Bart just really liked from watching our other films, specifically moms that out Woodlawn. Bart really liked the way that we uh, kind of told the redemption story through the idea of uh, somebody's really their humanity and in a way that felt really graceful. And uh, he said that that's the way he wanted his dad's story to be portrayed. And so we just became fast friends and really we think a lot alike. And so he was very involved in the process. And so, you know, he says, you know, my dad was a monster and I watched my dad go from being a monster. He got cancer. His, uh, he was an abusive father, he got cancer when Bart was in high school. And he said, during the time of him passing away of cancer, he said, I, I watched my God change my dad from a monster to somebody that was totally in love with Jesus and was the man I always hoped to be my best friend. He said, if the gospel can change that dude, the gospel can change anybody. And so we really just told this story of redemption, the healing of a father-son relationship. And somebody at the funeral told Bart, uh, I can only imagine what your dad is seeing in heaven right now. And it just stuck with him. Mm. And that became his message uh, for his music uh, of redemption. And so uh, Dennis Quaid 
plays the part in an incredible way. And I, I don't know why the, you know, the, God just really selected us to tell this story, but I'm really grateful that he did because we just fell in love with it. Dennis Quaid has been in some incredible movies Yeah, uh, yeah from frequency yep. uh, uh, and forward. I mean, and, and backward, just incredible, incredible performances. Right. I, I'm hearing that this may be Dennis Quaid's most powerful performance in his career. It's definitely up there. You know, I, I've been a big Dennis Quaid fan for years, whether it's the rookie or, or uh, like I said, frequency frequency. I was a big fan of the father son story and that yeah. one. It, it was a real treat. I was actually in New York all week promoting the film with uh, Dennis. He was doing the press tour for us. And the hotel we were staying at, uh, we were pulling out of the hotel, and he pointed at the fire station. He said, that's the fire station we filmed Frequency at. So that was oh, kind of wow. a, treat, a treat for me. But this one is special because uh, Dennis said, I always play the characters that start out as the nice guy and get a little bit nicer by the end of the story. He said, I've never played a guy that's run the gamut of – this big of a transformation. It starts with a really rough character that you hate. And then uh, by the end, this childlike character that you love. And it, it's just, it's amazing to see the transformation. And there's a couple of scenes where I just was just kind of in awe because he, Dennis completely disappeared and this character of Arthur came to life. And uh, he definitely gives a career performance in this one. I, I, you know, and it's because he loved the material. He said, I, I love Bart. I love, this character of Arthur and he gave his all for it. And that's a tribute to him. That may have answered kind of my, my, my next question, at least, at least partially, but what, what is, what has attracted the likes of Dennis Quaid and Cloris Leachman to this project? You know, you know, Dennis and then, you know, Cloris, Cloris, you know, Cloris won an Oscar before I was born. So she's definitely a legend. Um, you know, Dennis uh, said, he said, I, I didn't really look at it through the lens of a, of a faith story or a Christian story. He said, I just looked at it as a good story. And he said, when I, when I read this material and I saw the transformation in this character, it intrigued me to ask questions of, you know, what makes this guy tick? And he really wanted to honor Bart's story. So Bart was on set every day kind of communicating stuff about his dad to Dennis. And Dennis really just absorbed it like a sponge. And, uh, and then Bart was really the first audience that got to watch it behind the monitor. And, uh, you know, he just really, he just really, for whatever reason, uh, had a lot of empathy for Arthur's character and really embraced the redemption story and the Christianity in the story as just, this is part of the universe he's telling and really went authentically at it. You know, there's some moments that are just you watching an audience. It just takes their breath away just to see, you know, this, this guy just be redeemed. It's really, really cool. I can tell that this was a real passion for project for you, Andy. I mean, you, you can, you can tell the passion in your voice, but mm -hmm. in making, in making this movie, how are you personally impacted in telling Bart's story? You know, it's a really good question. It, it is a passion project for us because Bart has become one of my dearest friends as we've done it. And, you know, we definitely wanted to paint a really accurate portrait of his life experience and, and honor, you know, the same uh, expected experience that the song brought is a rush of hope. And I think the film does that in droves. Uh, but for me as a filmmaker, uh, you know, Something you know, to, to just kind of watch a movie come to life like that. Very rarely do you get a chance to capture magic in a bottle. It's not something you can control or engineer. It just happens when it happens. And there's something really anointed about Bart's story. It's something that's just there's a power to it that's kind of uh, you can't really put words around it. Uh, it's just special. And so for me, you know, I you know when I when I when I started, you know, there was one specific scene that I you know I edit the films with my 
my co-editor, uh, Brent McCorkle, who also wrote the script with John and, uh, my brother. And, um, uh, I was one scene that I edited where, uh, you know, I put in this, this, this part where, where Arthur first understands grace and it just hit the lights come on in his eyes. And I called my wife in tears and I said, I feel like I've just, you know, witnessed the, the, the thief on the cross, that guy that is that guy that has nothing he can offer. It's at the end of his life. But at the end he says, I want that. And it just shakes the earth. And, um, uh, and I, and it was just really a privilege for me. It really made an impact on me to see the power of the gospel, you know, in action to see the good news. And it was really cool. Faith-based films are really making an impact. I think like never before. Andy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's, they're seeming to find, they're seemingly finding an audience in the secular market as well. Yep. Why, do you, why do you think this is? You know, I, I think that, uh, it's finally a genre that is really finding its voice. Um, and, and you've seen that happen outside the Christian space. You've seen that happen with other genres, whether it's the superhero movie or the resurgence of the horror franchises. Uh, you see them kind of find a voice and then branch out to something that, that says something that the filmmaker wants to say. Um, you know, you see that going on right now with black Panther. And, um, but I think for faith film, you know, uh, there were some brave pioneers that blazed the trail early on that really kind of, uh, you know, uh, earned the right to be heard. And we had a lot of catch up to do. And so those first pioneers really blazed the trail for all of us that have followed in a way that I, my hat goes off to them. And I think as we've all come around, there's a group of us, so probably about, about, about a dozen uh, of us that are making movies on a continual basis that we all push each other and strive to get better and better and better and take the next step towards quality. And I think as a result, uh, you see people really uh, craving this and the audience growing. And then the fear of missing out kicks in with the general moviegoer saying, what's this you know, faith film about? And they want to know what it's about. So I remember, you know, I watched like um, uh, last year, uh, Case for Christ, when it came out, I called John Gunn, the director, and I said, you've just done the best faith film I've ever seen. And that includes anything I've done. And so hopefully I can only imagine takes it a step further. And then, you know, the Kendrick brothers come out with the next film and it takes it a step further. And I just see that we're all kind of uh, encouraging each other on towards quality. And I think as a result, we become very relevant. And, um, and, and the opportunity to take able to be a Christian in this genre in Hollywood uh, is, is pretty amazing because the storytelling is getting better and better. I was speaking recently with David A.R. White from Pure Flix. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he echoed the same sentiment. It's, it's, about, it's about story first and foremost. You can't tell a story without in today's day without outstanding quality. And the quality, as I, th- I think, is what is making the difference. And he, he, he echoed the same. Uh, and it's, gr- it's great to see you guys, this camaraderie. Uh, like you said, you're, he's, a, he's a friend of yours. And this camaraderie, camaraderie where you drive each other to make better, better films. And I, I really do. I think it's making a huge impact in the secular market. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's really neat to see that happen. And, you know, it's an encouragement we've all given each other along the way because there's not many of us doing it. Uh, and then hopefully it paves the way for our next generation. But like you know, I had, I had dinner with the, the Kendrick brothers the other day, was talking to them about their next film that would be a follow up to, to War Room. I can't tell what it is, but I, I can tell you that uh, hearing their their idea really excited me. And uh, and, you know, and they were they've been a huge encouragement to us with imagine and then you know it just along the way we all just encourage each other of hey take it take the baton a step farther 
And as a result, I think that this uh, uh, door of opportunity could, could grow into something that's permanent. And I, I'm really excited about the future. Andy, you've made a, you've made a number of films based on real life people. Uh, does this add any complexities to the process? It actually simplifies it. Um, you know, telling a, a real life story is something we fell in love with, with, uh, with Woodlawn. We had, we had dabbled in it because our background was documentary filmmaking. We made a, a documentary called the cross of the towers on, uh, the, the, the after effects of, of, uh, nine 11. And then we did this past summer, we, we produced a, a film that jo- my brother, John and Ben Smallbone directed called, uh, uh, American icon about Steve McQueen's conversion. And, you know, so, you know, we've dabbled in it with our documentaries, but, uh, with Woodlawn, we really fell in love with the power of a true story that allowed us to present the gospel in a way that makes sense, uh, to, uh, to a mainstream audience because they can watch it and be like, you know, it develops out a world that allows you to kind of explain it and show it in action rather than it being just about the message. It's really about, um, uh, somebody's real life experience and it gives you, uh, you know, kind of guidelines for how to tell the story. And it's just about selecting the right story that deserves to be told. And I think with Bart's story with Imagine, um, it was like all the elements were just there in droves to where we just kept saying, this is too good to be true that this actually happened. So we love true stories. I think it's kind of become our niche. It's what we really, uh, it's what really excites us is true stories at this point. This is a fantastic movie, man. Uh, the, the reviews, early reviews are incredible. Uh, the screening that I've seen, uh, people were just, uh, emotionally impacted. Like uh, you, you see rarely in a film. Uh, so well done, man. Well done. Thanks, man. Yeah. That means a lot, Joe. I really appreciate that. I'm just privileged to be a part of it. It's cool to see what God's doing. What's next up for the Irwin brothers? Well, next up is March 16th. You know, we, we, we come out <laughs> theaters nationwide March 16th. And, uh, you know, somebody far more spiritually tuned in than I am uh, mentioned that that was 316 and uh, uh, like John 316. And uh, so uh, I, I said, of course, that's exactly why we planned that. Uh, so we're taking credit for it now. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, opening weekend is critical for films like ours. Um, uh, because that's where we really maximize the uh, how broad and wide uh, the uh, the the film is going to go out to the general public, and uh, you know the numbers that we do opening weekend is about how long we can stay competing against the big blockbusters that are on the horizon. So that's huge. And if you have any questions about it, you can go to ICanOnlyImagine.com, look for theaters near you, buy tickets, take a group, uh, invite your friends that may not know much about Christianity because you're going to be really proud that this will be a way that, that, that they can really kind of be introduced uh, through a good story. Uh, and then after that, I plan on passing out for at least a month. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then once I come to John and I, my brother and I will sit down and look at, we have four or five other films that are in, uh, in the, in the queue to start working on. And uh, they're all in different stages, but uh, there's a couple that are coming up next that I'm really excited about. So uh, we, we always keep telling stories, but what allows us to keep telling stories is, uh, the, uh, how, how well it does in theaters. And so, uh, you get the audience out March 16th is what is so important. It's an amazing song. Just kind of happened. Took about 10 minutes, I guess. Bart, you didn't write this song in 10 minutes. Took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You know, I've never told anybody my story. 
When I was uh, 11 years old, life was tough. Where's Mama? She's gone. She don't want me no more. And she don't want you neither. And I've always loved music. And I found some songs that I just, I held on to. They gave me hope. Mercy me, that can't be his real voice. Because I needed it. Dad, I can do this. No, you can't. And you're going to blink your eyes and you're going to realize that life has gotten you nowhere because you chased some stupid dream. I can only I'm leaving. Shit. I want you to know that I pray for you all the time. And I hope that you find whatever it is that you're looking for out there. What are you running from? My dad. Then write about it. Let that pain become your inspiration. I have some stuff I need to sort out. And I deal with it the only way I know how. And that's to write a song. You hungry? Uh, set the table. What is this? I want to make things right. You and me. My dad was a monster, and I saw God transform him. You have a gift, real gift. I didn't think that God could do that. And so I wrote this song for my dad. Andy, how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? Joe, I was I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents, uh, my dad, um, you know, very involved in a lot of different ministries growing up. Uh, in fact, uh, the character uh, that Sean Astin plays in Woodlawn is a, a combination of of him. Uh, my dad's my dad's name is Hank, and uh, his boss that was an evangelist named Wells Goebel. Uh, so I grew up hearing the Woodlawn story as a bad time bedtime story. So. When we got into filmmaking, that's why we were so attracted to that story because of my dad's experience with that team. And when it became personal for me uh, was actually after Bible college. I went to two years of Bible college, a year of ministry, uh, and knew a lot about Christianity, but it never really come to a point that it, it was really personal. And I think God brought me to kind of the end of myself to where finally somebody that I love very dearly pulled me to the side and said, Andy, I saw how miserable I was. and said, Andy, do you know... Uh, do you know if you belong to Christ? And I just said, I've been waiting 21 years of my life for somebody to ask me that question. And, you know, I said, they said, well, you know, the gospel, you know what Christ did for you. Are you ready to make it personal? And I just finally had to bend my knee to God and say, uh, God, it's not for everybody else. I'm a sinner. I desperately need a savior. I, I need you. And uh, it was at that moment around that time that I began to find my love of camera work and and things like that. And, and, uh, I remember talking to my dad and, uh, just saying, uh, you know, I'd been to a missions conference and at the missions conference, I said, I called him afterwards. And I said, dad, I think I'm going to go translate Bibles, uh, overseas on some like, uh, unreached people group. And he laughed and he said, is that what you want to do? And I said, well, no, not at all. I said, I'm, I'm only doing that. Cause that's what I think you have to do to be a, a really good Christian. And, and he said, Andy, what's in your hand? I said, a camera. He said, Andy, give God what's in your hand. Let him figure out how to use it. Oh, and, wow. uh, and I, I, I didn't know uh, what God's plan for us was with that. And, and I, I don't have great ambitions. Uh, you know, my brother's the dreamer. I, I'm kind of the doer. Along the way to see how God has opened up the door for it to preach the gospel to, you know, you know thousands and thousands of people. And uh, it's been 
you know, like for instance, Winlong estimated 25,000 decisions for Christ that people call in the 1-800 number at the end of the film. So to be a part of that is just, I, I, I don't know how that became me that was involved in that, but it was just God and his grace. And I think the more I grow as a Christian, the more I see how complete the redemption story is and how much Jesus did really do it all for us. And he does have our life out planned out in front of us to where all we have to do is walk in the, the good works he's already prepared for us. And it's not about us being good enough for God. He was good enough for us and did it all for us. And the more I understand grace, the more it just excites my heart for stories of redemption. And, uh, and just, uh, the Lord keeps dropping these stories in our lap that really highlight the power of the gospel in action. And gospel means good news for sinners. It's not a list of to do's, uh, to get to God. It's about understanding he did it all for you. And, uh, I'm privileged to be just, a, a, a able to use a camera to, to tell those stories of redemption. The quote from your father, uh, speaks to uh, so much, man. Yep. What's in your hand? A camera. Well, use what got what use what. How would he say? Use what God put in your hand. He said, "Give God what's in your hand. Let Him figure out how to use it." That's strong, man. Yeah, it does. And and for each person, that can be something different. I mean, I think a lot of times we see a definite line between the spiritual and the secular, and say, you know, well, this can't be. This isn't. This isn't sacred. You know, this is. How could God ever use me working at, uh, you know, at a local grocery store or uh, at a post office? And, and, and understanding that God uses all people from all walks. So just it, it, all he wants is your heart to say, Lord, I trust you. Uh, show me what, what your purpose and how, what you designed me for. And it's amazing to see something that you think is very simple and very common that God can turn into something really spectacular. You also alluded to something that I think a trap that all Christians, especially especially new adult Christians or or Christians who have kind of as an adult drew that line in the sand like like you did, we we automatically think we have to move to Africa and translate Bibles or or <laughs> or or feed you know or feed and those are all righteous causes. Don't get me wrong, absolutely, those, those absolutely. are all righteous. But we all feel like well, that's where that you know uh, every good Christian has to move to Ethiopia and and and. Live a life as a as a as a pauper in 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 the jungle, you know, bringing bringing um, bringing people to Christ. And that, like I said, it's all righteous work. But but man, what a what a great way of putting it. That wherever you are, a postal worker, a a, yeah. a, a, a filmmaker, a, a salesperson, yep. uh, glorify God in what you're doing, and let God move you in the direction that He wants to move you. And what? you never know where you're going to end up. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, that's it's the instructions that Jesus gave the early church. He said, start exactly where you are. And where they were was Jerusalem. And he said, then branch out to the neighboring countryside and then go to the ends of the earth. And I think, you know, the thing that is the most challenging thing that I think is uh, uh, as, a, as a believer is to really believe that God, Jesus didn't just cover my past sins, but he covered everything. And to really kind of embrace God loves me. God doesn't need me to go chew on glass. And to be miserable, <laughs> God has gifted me my gifts for a reason. It's not by accident. So it's just a matter of then trusting that same God with those gifts of saying, Lord, you've given this to me. I'm giving it back to you. What do you want to do with it? What's your big picture? What's your vision for my life? And then being able to trust that we don't have to go out and do it all for God. He wants to do it through us. And when you, when a person comes to that point of submission, of really trusting that God loves them and he, they can trust them with their lives, 
that's when it shakes the world. And that's the story of what God did with Bart Millard with his gift of singing uh, and writing this song. And I can only imagine what freedom in, in what you just said uh, to know that, that, that Christ died to forgive us of our sins in the past, in the present and in the future. That gives us the freedom to go and do. We can't yep. screw this up, man. As long as, yeah. As long as you are earnestly pursuing the direction that, that you feel God wants you to go, you can't screw this up, man. He won't let you. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, you know, it really comes down to just trust. You know, it's really trust of just, you know, we don't have to go out and even put any effort into it. It's just being still enough to say, God, I trust you. What is it you want to do with me today? And if he's put a camera in your hand, use it. If he is, you know, giving you, uh, you, you pushing a lawnmower for the day, use it. God will use you where he's put you. Let him figure out how to do it. Have you ever questioned your faith, Andy? Or, oh, or the existence, even the existence of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that we've all had those dark nights of the soul where we kind of uh, stop and say, God, are you real? Or is this all fake? Uh, or, or do I have the real thing? And I, and I think the beauty of it is, you know, when you truly come to Christ, uh, it's not you that's holding on to God. It's him that's holding on to you. He can't deny himself. He's given his Holy Spirit to you as a deposit to say you're mine. And, uh, and, you know, and because of that, in those dark nights of the soul, he, he never lets you go too far. And so there's times where I've really felt like, you know, I, I, you know, God, have I, have I missed it? But God is faithful to use those times to refine me, uh, as a loving father to make my faith that much more real and solid kind of refined by fire where I'm like, I absolutely know it's real. And those times where I thought like, this is killing me. It's actually God making me stronger. Uh, to really know what I believe. And, uh, and again, we're his workmanship. So it's not, it's, we're not the ones that are doing the, the, the shaping of the clay. That's him. And uh, he allows us to go through those times of questioning to really solidify our faith and faith that hasn't been tested uh, is pretty shallow. And I think he allows us to be tested to really kind of uh, develop a confidence and a trust that re- he really is who he says he is. You know, you're, you bring up a good point. Um, in that context is don't be afraid to question your faith. God's no, big enough to handle it. Uh, Absolutely. Don't, don't be afraid. I mean, he, you know, he wants us to, cause every time I do it and I do it a lot, believe me, uh, every time I do it, it strengthens my faith, my cynicism and my skepticism. Uh, when I, when I'm forced to look, take a hard look at, at, at my faith, it does nothing but strengthen it. So don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to question your faith and ask God to, to, to clarify the things that are confusing to you. He's big enough for those hard questions. No I mean, doubt. He really man. is. He's God for answers. his sake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you look at David and David's a man after God's own heart and look at the wrestling matches that David had emotionally with God, where he was just crying out to God saying, you've abandoned me. What's going on? But then he always brought it back to, I choose to trust you. And, uh, and I think that's the simple faith and that faith can be really, really small, uh, at times where it's just, Lord, I've, my, I've got, and that's what, that's another song that Bart has just written. that has been very popular this year is the song, even if that's blown up and been his new big hit is it talks about going through those dark night of the soul moments of saying, God, why don't you, you're not answering this prayer. You're, where are you? And even if you don't answer it, I'm still going to trust you. It really just comes back to that simple childlike trust of saying, I don't understand you, God, but I'm choosing to trust. And he's always big enough to trust. Finally, as we wrap up, Andy, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? 
you know, I just would really communicate um, to that person um, grace that God absolutely loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, and the God of the universe did all the hard work for you. The beauty of redemption is that there's nothing in your past that's too big to forgive. Jesus covered all of it with his death. He took all the punishment. And there's nothing that you have to do to earn it. Jesus did all that too. He did. He was the perfect one for you. All that's left for you is, are you going to choose to trust your life to, to this God of the universe that's done everything for you? It's a free gift. And there's nothing you have to do. You don't have to work for it. Uh, and just put your trust in that God uh, because it's amazing. The, the plan that you have for yourself is so much smaller than the amazing plan God has for your life. I don't think we can say anything more than that. Andy Irwin, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for making this movie. Uh, I can only imagine coming out on March 16th, 16th, 2018. Uh, Wow. What a powerful, powerful story. Well done, man. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the friendship and thanks for helping get the word out. God bless you, brother. I can only imagine premieres nationwide on March 16th, 2018. The movie's website is Icononlyimagine.com and you can follow the movie and the Irwin brothers on Facebook and Twitter. All of these links and more are in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 97. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 97. Next show, I speak with singer, songwriter, and actor Jesse Pruitt on the release of his new CD, The Journey, and his prolific feature film work. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Andy Irwin for being with us, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you. And so do I. God bless. Now go out and see this movie. I can only imagine. It is fantastic. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. When you were on set with people like Dennis Quaid and Cloris Leachman uh-huh. and, and Patricia Heaton and um, Sean Astin, those guys, did you did you get a sense that they have a faith foundation in their lives? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, different 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 stages uh, for each actor. You know, I. I, you know, I don't require any of my actors, John and I don't require any of our actors to, uh, to, to share our faith. Uh, we feel like, you know, one of the biggest mission fields God's given us is to be able to influence the influencers. And, uh, and when, you know, uh, we control the content and they have to, you know, agree to play the role the way that we kind of find out that fits into our story. Um, but as they do, and as they're having to kind of wrestle through the gospel, it's amazing to see it kind of seep in and begin to kind of work on their heart. Uh, when in a situation like, you know, uh, Patty, uh, he, and she's a strong believer. She loves Jesus. Uh, others are kind of familiar with Christianity have been raised in it, but are kind of, uh, curious. And, and then others, it's just really not their cup of tea, uh, which is okay. Uh, but to see it kind of seep in is pretty cool. And there's opportunities that present itself to be able to explain it. There's one actor that, isn't a believer, but he was doing a scene in one of our movies and it was a, a conversion type thing. And 
he came to me and John, my brother, uh, before we started filming it and just said, he said, can you help me understand what we're doing here? And I said, absolutely. And so we sat down and for an hour, just kind of walked through how we believe that God was a pursuing God that was a personal relationship with us. And it comes to a point where a, a, a person, instead of being a self-made person, has to bend their knee to that God and accept his free gift of eternal life through Jesus. And there's a humbling experience of childlike faith of, of being able to receive that. But then all this grace is just lavished on that person. He becomes part of God's family. And it was amazing to see this actor kind of really interpret that and bring it into the scene. And then it kind of to begin to kind of minister to him on a personal level. Some people are called to plant the seed, others to water, others to harvest. You know, along the way with the actors on set, um, we play, you know, one of those three roles at any time. And there's times we've got to do any of those those parts. Uh, it's neat to see God work on the heart because the gospel is powerful and it doesn't, uh, it's not dormant, it's active and it, it really does change lives. What an amazing mission field, huh, brother? I mean, yeah, what man, an amazing awesome. opportunity to witness to Hollywood, uh, but through the actual actors that are that are in your film. I think it's, it's so great that you don't exclude, you, you know, part of the resume isn't born again Christian since 1964. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, for each, each person, it's, each person's a different calling. And, you know, that's what, you know, other filmmakers are called to do it differently. And I, that's fine. But for us. Our primary focus for our filmmaking is evangelism. It's to show the power of God, the gospel to a, a world that doesn't quite understand it. But that mission field extends to the people we cast. And so we specifically like to reach out to the people that are broken and rough around the edges and downtrodden because it gives us an opportunity to show the gospel in action to them as well.